You're listening to Shalise's Podcast. All right. Well, Father, we just thank you for this next episode in the Language of the Heart podcast series. And we thank you that this is revelation that is near and dear to your heart. You want us to live a life of wholeness. You want us to live in a place where we are connected to our hearts and operating in the fruit of the Spirit. Father, where we are living self-controlled lives, uh, experiencing joy and peace and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. And I thank you that we have access to the mind of Christ, that we are one with you right this very minute. And you have designed us, Father, to live from a place where we are one with you, where we are experiencing your emotions, where we are experiencing your perception, where we are experiencing your life. And so take us where we need to go today, Lord. Just highlight what we need to see. uh, Teach us the truth that sets us free, Holy Spirit. And so we just completely depend on you. Uh, We have eyes that have been enlightened, that we would know the hope of our calling. We have ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is speaking. So even while I am teaching today, Lord, I just pray that you would be the one that is interpreting everything for each and every listener and that you would make this uh, message applicable, Lord, so that they would walk away knowing how to apply this revelation, knowing how to apply this information in the relationships, in their relationship with themselves, and walk in, uh, in, in their lives, Father, in every sphere of influence that they occupy uh, in wholeness, Father, uh, as someone who is leading uh, in their conversations from a place of compassion, from a place of love, from a place of wholeness, and that, Father, we would have an, we would experience an upgrade in every area of our lives. And so we just thank you for this. We give you praise for it. And we call it done in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, awesome, you guys. I love the topic of this podcast. You know, I kicked it off in part one with just some background information and really just an acknowledgement of kind of the confusion that most people have around the scriptural term, our heart. And if we're going to talk about the language of the heart as believers, it's really important that we understand what the the biblical authors in ancient times, kind of pre-modern science were referring to when they talked about the heart. And it's important to understand what modern science has taught us about the heart. Uh, Why is that important? It's important because you guys, we really are governed by our internal world. You know, when we wake up in the morning, um, our perception and our emotions and the way that we feel both uh, physically and emotionally affect, affect the way that uh, we communicate, affect our energy levels, affect our ability to show up in the world as a new creation. And so governing our inner world and understanding our inner world and being able to interpret what's happening internally is super, super important, not only because of our relationship that we have with ourselves and that we have with God, but because it really does drive uh, the results that we have in life. Um, Emotions are very much motivators of behavior. And so when we have negative emotions, many times we don't do the things that cause us to be uh, fruitful in our lives. And when we have positive emotions, it's just, it's, we're easier to be around. We have more uh, loving actions. And so understanding that our internal world is what creates our external world is really, really important. And it's really powerful. I mean, God called us to have self-control. Uh, through our union with Jesus, we are to have
have access to all of the fruit of the spirit. But if we don't understand the heart and we don't understand the mind and we don't understand the body and we don't understand how all of these things um, work together, then a lot of times we're just living under our internal world rather than governing our internal world. And so today I want to continue to break this down and I'll start with just a uh, just a high level review, <clears throat> excuse me, of what we covered last time. And what I really the, the gist of what we talked about last time was that in the Bible, when the Bible talks about the heart, um, it is not the way that we understand the function of the heart through the lens of modern science. So in biblical times, they did not have a, a, a scientific understanding of human anatomy. Of course, right? They didn't have x-rays. They didn't have all of the things that we have access to from a techno technological standpoint that we have access to today. And so in Bible times, they really didn't even have a concept of the brain. We talked about in part one how really they believed that the heart is where it was the seat of the human being, uh, entire being, in the sense that thoughts were generated from your heart, choices were generated from your heart, desires came from your heart, uh, your intellectual reasoning came from your heart, wisdom was stored in your heart. And we see that uh, through scripture, right? It, it talks about guarding your heart uh, with you know, all diligence because out of it flow the issues of life. It talks about wisdom being in a heart, in our heart. It talks about believing in our heart. It talks about kind of all of the functions of our inner world being in our heart. And what modern science has taught us is that we do have a brain and that our brains and our hearts are connected um, but they also have different functions. They communicate, but it's not like our heart is our brain and our brain is our heart, right? Now, in biblical times, they did understand that the heart was a physical organ and that if you didn't, if it wasn't operating correctly, you would not live. So they understand that there was a physical heart, but they didn't really understand human anatomy and they didn't understand the way all of that works together. And so today I want to shift gears and not talk so much about what biblical authors believed, but I want to talk about what modern science has taught us. And this is important because, you know, the Apostle Paul talks about in Romans uh, in chapter 12, he says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so we understand that the renewal of our minds is the key that leads us into a transfigured life or a transformed life, meaning that we will experience the new creation. We will experience the new birth. We will experience our inheritance in Christ and our union with Christ and live out of our inheritance and out of that new creation to the degree that our minds have been renewed. And so today I want to talk about, I want to talk about, you know, how our minds and our hearts are intertwined. I want to talk about the mind-body-spirit connection a little bit, and I want to unpack this a little bit more for you guys. So the first thing that I want to talk about is I want to talk about emotions. Emotions is one of these things that I feel like we have a lot of confusion around in the church, and I think for most of us, we've been, you know, we've heard the things like um, we're not to be led by our feelings, right? Um, that our feelings aren't necessarily the truth, that faith and feelings are not um, many times in agreement, right? And so, you know, we talk about with the, you know, with the heart man believes unto salvation. We talk about the, fu the function of believing coming out of our heart. But what does that really mean? And what does our emotions have to do with our beliefs? 
So the first thing that I want to say is that um, I absolutely agree that our emotions are not necessarily always in alignment with the truth, but our emotions are clues that are going to, going to uh, let us know what we actually are thinking and what, what we believe the truth to be. And when I say what we believe the truth to be, I don't mean what we mentally assent to believing, right? But I mean that what we believe on a subconscious level, the truth to be. Okay, so the first thing that we've got to do if we're going to understand emotions and understand how they are indicators of the truth that we believe is we need to understand a little bit about our perception. Okay, and we need to understand the difference between what we intellectually agree with and what we subconsciously agree with. And so, you know, by now, everybody probably has heard that our minds have multiple uh, parts or they have multiple, uh, what would I say, um, processing units, I guess, if you want to think of it that way. They have multiple ways of processing information. One is at a conscious level and one is at a subconscious level. And traditionally, what we have taught about the heart many times is that the heart is um, our subconscious mind. Well, I, I don't know that I would agree with that based upon modern research, but what I would say is that our subconscious minds are the things that we believe below the surface of our conscious mind. And why is that important? Because our beliefs are stored subconsciously. And our subconscious mind, that part of our mind that is below um, conscious awareness and conscious reasoning is driving our lives 95% of the time. And our subconscious remembers and knows every, it is a recorder, it has recorded our entire lives. And what we believe is determined over the course of our lives through our experiences. And our subconscious is not necessarily easily programmed. What I mean by that is once we hold something to be true and we believe it in our heart or we believe it in our subconscious mind, it is very difficult to change, okay? Um, for example, and that's a good thing that it's that it's it's not easily changed because otherwise we would never be able to to you know retrieve information like how to drive a car or how to do math because once you've learned something then it is stored and accessed for future use without really a conscious effort. But when we are learning something, uh, it it takes conscious effort, and the truth is that the majority of what we believe. We believed really at a young age, uh, before the age of 12, um, when our minds were in a kind of a sponge-like state. It's much more of a, uh, a, a subconscious learning state up until the age of 12. And then again, we learn a lot of things that we believe when we experience firsts, okay? Or we have something that is traumatic that happens to us. But the truth is that by we, we reach, by the time we reach adulthood, most of our programming and what we believe is being stored at a subconscious level without our really, um, our awareness of that. And when I say the subconscious level, you know, we talked a little bit about strongholds in part one, but a stronghold is is actually stored in our brain. And a stronghold is just a program that we've believed. It's a, a set of beliefs and assumptions that we have about the world. It's like a paradigm or a set of beliefs that we have. And those are stored in something called neural nets within our brain. 
And anytime we encounter a situation in life, our neural nets are always firing. They're always presenting meaning back to us. They're, um, they're governing our perception. They're governing our, uh, uh, the meanings that we're making of current circumstances and stimuli that are coming from our five physical senses. And so this processing of meaning, this processing of, of, uh, of, you know, presenting back to our conscious mind, what's what a certain circumstance means or what a uh, uh we call it a trigger right or what a a particular stimuli means that's happening very very quickly in our minds our neural nets are just pos positioning meaning back to us they're presenting meaning back to us so 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 very quickly so quickly that it happens without our conscious awareness now why is this important uh, because if we are going to if we're going to live in the truth and we're going to agree with scripture, we're going to agree with who we are in Christ, our identity in Christ. We're going to believe that we are righteous. We're going to believe that we are holy. We're going to believe that by his stripes we are healed. We're going to believe that Jesus has given us abundant life, that uh, we operate in a invisible kingdom where uh, we have an inheritance, right? In Ephesians, it talks about how we've been uh, blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, that we are going to interact with an invisible realm, with the spirit realm, and be awake to that on a regular basis. Well, then we need some neural nets. We need some belief systems around that so that um, subconsciously, this is just the way that our awareness is working. And the truth is that we don't come into the kingdom. We don't become aware of these truths from our womb, right? Most of us are programmed over the course of our lives with a default sense of self that is separated from God. We don't operate with the, the truth that we are one with God in our neural nets. In, and we don't, that's not necessarily a stronghold in our lives. You know, strongholds aren't necessarily always negative, but they're positive too. And we need positive strongholds around the new creation. We need positive strongholds and neural nets around the gospel so that when we wake up every single day, just by default, we're waking up to the reality of heaven. We're waking up to the reality that we of the new creation, that we're waking up to the reality of the spirit realm. Because if we don't have those realities kind of programmed into us, then we will operate like mere human beings. We will go through our lives um, unaware of the spirit realm and we won't take into account those truths when we encounter certain situations. Let me just give a very practical, practical but pretty dramatic example, right? If we don't have the programming and the neural nets and the beliefs installed that you know, for example, talk, you know, teach us that miracles are normal or teach us that we have power over sickness, we have power over death, we have power over sin. Then when we enter into a situation, let's say we encounter someone who, uh, you know, passes away or we encounter an accident where there's injuries or something, then our first responses are going to be to to uh, approach that situation naturally, right? We're going to go approach things from just a purely medical standpoint instead of a supernatural standpoint, you know? And the way to test this is kind of what's your reaction when you hear that someone's ill or what's your reaction when you hear that someone has passed away? Is it your first response to be like, okay, let's raise them from the dead and actually get it done? 
Or is it more like panic and, and grief and those kinds of things? And so that initial reaction that we have to circumstances is going to be an indication of what actually we believe, what is stored in our subconscious minds, what is in our neural nets. And so mind renewal is the process of changing our neural nets. It's the process of, of bringing our minds into agreement with the gospel. It's the process of, of bringing our minds into alignment with the truth. So what does this have to do with our hearts? Well, I want to talk about the role of emotions because emotions are clues. They are clues to what we believe. And our emotions, every single emotion that a human being feels, okay, for that matter, every thought that a human being thinks, um, it's not just something that happens internally. It's not just something that you feel, that you think, and there's no, that it's just all happening internally. Because the truth is that all of our thoughts and all of our emotions are electromagnetic. Okay, they carry a frequency. That is why we can put a brain scanner, you know, little brain things on our, what do they call those? Those little, you know, the things they put on your head when they measure your brain waves, right? I don't know what those are called, but when they put those little, you know, suction cups on your head and they measure your brain waves, how can they do that? How can they measure what you're thinking? How can they measure an emotional response? And how can they put, you know, those little suction cups on our chest when we run on the treadmill and do, a, you know, measure um, the our hearts? It's because there's an electromagnetic frequency that is being generated when we think and when we feel, when we have emotions. And so actually there's been studies done where they have recorded the electromagnetic frequencies of, of the human heart and the range of human emotions. And elevated emotions and elevated frequencies are associated with positive emotions and negative uh, emotions are associated with lower frequencies. And all that means is that if you measured the wave of that frequency or the wave of that emotion, there would be, it would be a wider wave in the negative emotions and a higher, more, the waves would be squished together in the higher elevated emotions. And so why is this important? Because our emotions are measurable and they uh, can be discerned by other people. That's why when you're around someone that's angry, you can kind of feel that anger or you're around someone that has uh, you know, you, you say that they're lustful or something, you can kind of feel it, that that energy or that electromagnetic frequency coming off of them. And so faith has a frequency, you guys, like we can measure the, the internal state of human beings and every thought um, generates emotions, right? So I, I'm breaking this down because this is why people that understand this science have a more of a scientific understanding of how faith works or how what people would call maybe the law of attraction. What the Bible would say is a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Meaning that what's happening in our hearts, what's happening in our emotions, what's happening in our thought life is a field, is a, is a field of frequency that comes off of us. And what the Bible teaches us is that that force of faith is powerful. That, that force of our belief, that force of what we believe affects things. You know, Jesus would say it this way, you know, be it unto you according to your faith, right? As a man, um, you know, he would say things like, um, if you can believe all things are possible, you know, do you believe that I can do this? Right. So there was something around faith and belief that was affecting the miraculous in Jesus's ministry. 
And, you know, does it really matter that we understand these things scientifically? Will it work without understanding these things? Of course it works. Just like a television works or a cell phone works without us necessarily understanding how it happens. But the advantage of understanding how this happens is that it demystifies these concepts in scriptures and helps us begin to really understand that our emotions matter, that what we think matters, that it is actual, um, that, that they are actually actual tangible things. And if we are going to create with God and operate in faith, then we understand that we must begin to investigate our inner, inner world. We must begin to transform what we believe. And we need to connect with the language of the heart, the language of our emotions. And we need to understand what our emotions are telling us because they're clues to what we actually believe. Okay, because we can mentally believe something. I mean, we can say, you know, we believe um, that, you know, by his stripes, we are healed, right? The scripture says, and you know, that very clearly that Jesus became sin. He became the curse. He became sickness, right? That he bore sin in his body for us. But even though we can say, oh yes, I agree with those concepts. It doesn't mean that we necessarily feel in our hearts or we feel that that is true for us. And one of the one of the exercises we do in Emerge, we kind of investigate this a little bit. We have people kind of go into the go into the scriptures and say, okay, you know, the word of God says there's no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. So do you feel guilty? Do you struggle with condemnation? And the truth is, even though we can mentally agree, like, okay, there's no condemnation for them in Christ, we may still suffer under feelings of condemnation and feelings of guilt. Why? Why? Well, the reason why is because subconsciously in our neural nets, we still have an identity and a relationship with the law. We have an identity that is separate from God. We've been programmed over the course of our lives to believe a lie about ourselves, that we exist independent from God, that we have a self that exists apart from God. And that independent self is what is feeling condemned. It's what's feeling guilty. It's what, you know, when it's what's being accused by the accuser. Uh, and so our identity at a subconscious level is untrue. And if we're going to renew those things, or we're going to even understand our emotions and understand why we feel certain things, then we need to kind of unpack that a little bit. And we need to begin to renew our minds to the truth, to the truth of who we are in Christ. And it's not enough to just, you know, recite the truth like a parrot can just speak what it hears. No, we need to get this down to a subconscious level. We need to get this truth down to an emotional level, to a cellular level. We need to integrate with Jesus so that our way of being every single day shows up like Jesus. Okay, so let me kind of give, I want to break down here for just a few moments. What happens uh, when we uh, enter into a situation, when we enter into a circumstance, right? And so I kind of want to break it out because most people most people, most of us are processing things so quickly subconsciously that we aren't even aware of what's going on. So I kind of want to break it out for you a little bit, because if you understand this, you can begin to kind of create some space between your response and 
uh, the, the stimuli. So whatever is whatever the circumstances or whatever the stimuli that's coming into your uh, your brain and coming into your awareness, you can begin to create some space between the stimuli and the response. Okay, so let me just talk about this for a moment. So in any situation, there is just the, I like to do it in circles, right? So if you had a piece of paper and you, you drew two circles side by side uh, on, you know, on your paper, on the, in the left circle, I would, you know, I would say in any situation, let's just put the facts into that circle. Okay. This is, you know, the facts of what actually is going on. Okay. Let's just use the example of a husband and a wife. Okay. My, the facts are I'm driving in the car with my husband. The facts are I give my husband directions. The facts are he begins yelling at me. The facts are he says, um, do you want me to pull over and let you drive? The facts are he says, do you think I'm an idiot? The facts are um, I know where we're going. I don't need your help. So you could, you know, you could write in there the words that were actually spoken. You could write out, um, you know, the, the facts about I was in the car. It was this time that we were headed north. Like you could have facts written down. Okay. That would be the left circle. But on the right circle is where we start to get into trouble because in the right circle, what's happening is at the same time we're experiencing those facts, we're creating meanings of what those facts mean. Okay. The meanings of what those facts mean are coming from our programming. They're coming from our past and our reactions to those circumstances are coming from our fact, coming from our past. So on the right hand side, we could say, um, my husband doesn't care about me. Uh, we could say, um, you know, we could say my husband is a jerk. Okay. We could say he never listens to me. We could say, um, that's it. I'm never going to, you know, give him directions again. So there's, there's, actions and decisions and meanings that we're making over in this right-hand circle that frankly, if you lined up 10 different people in that exact same factual situation, they would have 10 different meanings, 10 different responses, because human perception is based upon our past. It's based upon the meanings that we are ascribing to facts in any situation. And when you take those two circles and you kind of put them together, what you have is your reality. So your reality is never just based on the facts. It's based upon your interpretation of the facts and what you make those things mean. And the truth is most human beings are walking through the world with an interpreter of facts that is totally separated from God. So we not only see ourselves um, separated from God, but we see other people separated from God. And we are processing the, the information from a position of separation from God. We have not actually, uh, we haven't renewed our minds. And so the meanings that we're ascribing to certain situations are coming from brokenness. They're coming from lies that we have believed about ourselves, lies we've believed about uh, other people and things that cause us to feel unsafe, things that are safe. I mean, there's a whole store of programming, a whole store of meanings that we have in our mind. And, you know, our emotions are a clue to this. So when we have level 10 emotions to a situation, what that's telling us is that there is a 
neural net that's being fired in that situation that is not just about that situation, but it is about a previous situation where we ascribed meaning to that situation. So hopefully I'm making sense here. Um, the example I'm using of, a, you know, a husband and a wife in a car and, you know, the husband, the wife giving her direct, giving him directions and him flying off the handle. I mean, that's just one example of this. I mean, you can take this in any situation where you have a conflict. You can take this with a conflict with someone at work, a conflict with your boss, a conflict uh, in just a friendship. I mean, conflicts are one of the easiest ways that you can recognize where there is some meaning um, that you are ascribing to a situation that is causing an elevated level 10 emotion. Okay, anytime we are judging a situation uh, and we are offended in a situation, it's because we have meanings, we have judgments, and we have ascribed that meaning to the situation. And the truth is, that doesn't necessarily make what you think the situation means true. Okay, it just means that's what you think it means. That is your perception of what happened. And we see this, you guys, in conversations all the time. Right. When you're having a conversation and it's like you're not even speaking the same language, you know, you're saying something. The other person hears it. Here's something completely different. And they're parroting back what you said. And you're like, that's not what I said. Or if that is what I said, that's not what I mean. It's because every human being has a set of meanings for everything. And so honestly, you guys, this is why we have so much craziness going on in our world right now. This is why Facebook is like a war zone or social media is like a war zone, right? Because people are responding out of their perceptions, out of their meanings, out of, out of their life experiences. And when you say something, it means this. And it's just we don't even have people communicating for the most part because everyone is perceiving things differently and no one is understanding this and no one knows how to actually communicate in a way that people can understand and have compassion or even recognize that this is what's going on. It's honestly why I kind of don't even comment on a lot of things. Because when you understand this, this gives you a paradigm for human behavior. This gives you a paradigm for your own behavior. And it causes you to not, honestly, it causes a, a very high level of humility. Because you start to recognize that just because I perceive something to be true doesn't mean that it is true. Just because I have an opinion about something doesn't mean it's the full story. It's based upon my life experiences. And you'll also begin to understand that every single person on the planet has an image of God. Every person on the planet has an image of themselves. Every person on the planet has an image about everything. They've got programming about money. They've got programming about marriage. They have programming... Their entire lives are a set of beliefs that have been established by their perceptions and by their own agreements with the, the, the meanings that they ascribe to certain uh, events in their life. Okay, let's talk about trauma for a minute because trauma is a huge place in our lives where things are imprinted into our neural nets. They're imprinted into our bodies. It's imprinted into our minds. And what I mean by that is it's not necessarily what happens to us that causes the emotional suffering. It's the meanings that we ascribe to what happened that causes the emotional suffering. So, for example, let's say that you walked through a financial crisis of some kind and you walked through, you know, losing your home or having to file bankruptcy or uh, getting into a situation where you couldn't pay your bills or something. Well, there are things that you 
that most people have ascribed to those situations, right? Scarcity is a program and all of it, 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 what it does is it forms a paradigm that you have about finances, a paradigm that you have about money. This also happens based upon the teaching that you've had. You know, what did you learn in church about money? Are you a Dave Ramsey nut, right? So you, you listen to Dave Ramsey and you're, you know, everything that you believe about money comes through the Dave Ramsey paradigm. Or were you grow, did you grow up in church where, you know, it was holy to be poor. It was good to be poor. Like poverty was a virtue or having money was wrong or rich people are evil and greedy or you were taught certain things about money. And so your beliefs about those things influence your perception, your opinions, your judgments, and your ability to be transformed because they formed a stronghold in your mind. And so one of the things that I just want to accomplish with today's teaching is I want to unpack this a little bit so that we can begin to become aware of our emotions. We can begin to come aware of like, okay, I'm feeling a certain way about something. I'm not, you know, most believers, we just kind of like, just speak the scripture over our feelings and speaking the scripture over our feelings. While it may suppress the feeling, it may repress the feeling in the moment. It doesn't necessarily change what you believe. And it's not necessarily going to change that situation. The next time you encounter it, that same feeling is going to come right back up to the surface. And that same feeling is always going to come right back up to the surface until the underlying beliefs that are being presented by your mind are actually dealt with, okay? And so our mind and our hearts, our emotional life and our, our intellectual life are, inner, are, are completely intertwined, okay? Because in our memories, not only are we storing, okay? Subconsciously, every memory is stored at a subconscious level. And so in our memories, not only is the event recorded and maybe not the exact recording like a movie, but what is recorded is the representation of what it meant. And whenever there is a lie or a negative meaning attached to that, okay, such as there's something wrong with me, um, I'm not lovable, um, I'm bad, Okay, um, what are some other ones? I'm never, you know, I mean, just all of these negative beliefs that we have. Anytime there's a negative uh, belief that we have ascribed to a memory, anytime we encounter something that reminds us is, and is associated with that in our minds, we're going to have those exact, exact same emotions. So for example, if I lose a job, well, you know what? The emotions of losing that job are probably not just about the job. They're probably about losing your first love. They're probably about other examples of loss in your life because that's the way human beings are designed to think. And so becoming aware of your emotions, becoming aware of the negative things that we feel in certain situations, instead of like suppressing it with the truth or thinking about it with the truth, you know, like trying to overthink it and think a different thought. Um, while that is helpful to bring you back and maybe to, you know, maybe a, a, another level of peace, a lot of times it doesn't work because your subconscious is just screaming, this isn't safe. It's screaming that there's a problem here. Houston, I have a problem. Houston, I have a problem. And so just repeating the truth over and over again is not enough, right? The Holy Spirit has to give us a revelation of that truth many times, even in the original trauma, where we need to go back into that original trauma and let the Holy Spirit shine the light on that 
And when we, when we, and tell us the truth to that part of us that experienced that pain. And that is the process of inner healing. That's the process that we go through to heal our hearts with the Holy Spirit. He is uprooting the lies, not just at an intellectual level, but at a subconscious level. And when that happens, guess what? We are transformed. We no longer have the same reactions. We no longer, um, have the same beliefs. And so the first thing I, I want, to encourage you with all of this information. This is something that, you know, my goodness, you have to hear more than once. But the main thing is, is that when you understand these things, you develop a level of compassion and non-judgment for yourself and other people that when you are not aware of this, you actually believe that your interpretation of situations is the truth that makes you right and other people wrong. Rather than I possibly am interpreting the situation through my life experiences and the other person is interpreting the situation through their life experiences and we're drawing different conclusions because we got to our conclusions based upon a whole bunch of experiences that taught us what is true and what's not through our lives, right? And so it creates, you guys, a, the ability to listen to other people, to be able to enter in to their perceptions without judgment and just sit with people to understand who they are. And I'll tell you, when I think about the way that Jesus operated, he came into the world and the world did not recognize him. And he sat with people. He sat with people in their sin, in their pain, in their brokenness and touched them and healed them and was accessible to them because he he understood he entered into the human condition and he you know he would tell people you know like the woman uh, who was caught in adultery right he would say those without sin throw the first stone meaning no one is in a position to judge this woman no human being can judge another human being why because we're all tangled up in our own misperceptions, in our own distortions, and we are unable to judge accurately because of it. And so judgment is the condition where human beings find themselves. We eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, meaning we are judging good and bad all the time, and we've been doing it our entire lives, and all of our human opinions are based upon these things. And so I don't know. I just, I just hope, I guess the outcome for today's broadcast is really that, that we would take a step back, that we would not be so quick to, you know, spout off our opinions on social media and come from a place of self-righteous judgment with people when we do not understand how this person formed into who they are today. We don't understand the trauma that they've been through. We don't understand the brokenness in their lives. We don't understand why they do the things that they do or why they think the way that they do or why they react the way that they do or why they make the decisions that they do. And so many times we're just trying to, you know, legislate right behavior. We're trying to require right behavior. And what we end up doing is we create inauthenticity. We create inauthentic cultures in our churches. We, we put on a face of, of goodness and, and we hide behind, you know, like we, we just, we deny that we are all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat, all in need of a savior, all in need of forgiveness, all in need of mind renewal, all in need of, of, 
of, of, of gentleness and kindness and understanding and love, unconditional love that is not based on uh, the mistakes that we've made or the decisions that we've made. And if we're really going to help people, we're really going to see transformation in the world. We're going to see prison systems that actually do reform. We're going to see mental health care systems that actually bring people into a place of wholeness. We're going to have healthy church cultures um, where people um, are, are safe to heal, right? Safe to be themselves safe, because we're not, we're not so concerned about, about the sin. We're concerned about the, tr the, 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 the process of being safe so that people can, can connect with God and he can renew their minds because the Holy Spirit's job is to lead and guide us into all truth. And truthfully, guys, we don't even know. The only thing that we can, we can view is the fruit, right? We can see um, the behaviors, we can see the, um, the the responses of people, we can see the results of what people believe, but we cannot see why they believe certain things. We can't understand their motives. We can't understand why we are acting the way that we are. In truth, a lot of us don't even know why we act the way that we do. We don't know why we have the certain response to the certain person. And usually the human condition causes us to blame that person, blame the circumstance, and we never even unpack that there is some Something deeper going on and so the language of the heart you guys gives us permission to actually understand this language what is the language of that our emotions are speaking what is um, the symptoms in our bodies telling us what is um, our behavior telling us about what we actually believe about ourselves about God about everything and if we want to show up like Jesus in the world, we want to live from a place of union with Jesus, then it's, we have to partner with the Holy Spirit so that he can shine the light on what we actually believe. He can begin to dismantle these, these negative strongholds in our lives and we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so I know I covered a lot of ground today, um, but this is a really important message. It's a really important understanding. And unfortunately, so many believers, because we take the Bible, I mean, most people like probably until they listen to this podcast wouldn't even know that the heart is is just in scripture refers to everything that we now understand doesn't just occur in our physical heart like we have a brain we have neural nets we have neuroscience there's neuroplasticity we, we understand quantum physics we understand so many different things and so a lot of times believers responses are like well the bible says the bible says the bible says and the truth is we don't even know what the bible says like we haven't even we're not biblical scholars. We haven't dove into some of the, the cultural issues. We haven't dove into some of the, the, the hermeneutics and some of the, the, the original, what the original texts mean. We haven't, we haven't dived in to understand how the Bible was translated. We don't, we don't, we, we are, we are ignorant. We truly are ignorant. And so we, we can, we hide around, we hide behind the Bible. We hide behind the Bible as a reason to judge, as a reason to, um, this is right, this is wrong. And honestly, what we're doing is we're just spewing out more knowledge of the good, uh, knowledge of the tree of the good and e of good and evil. When love, when love transcends all of that. Okay. Love is unconditional. It's agape. Right, it's God's agape love. While we were center, while we were sinners, while we were the worst, the worst of the worst of the worst, while we were at the worst, and the worst example that you can think of of the worst, right? Jesus died 
for that person as that person. He entered into hell of the human experience. He entered into our brokenness. He entered into this bondage uh, of our minds and of our of our of our thinking of, the, of our paradigm. This alienated mind where we were alienated from God in our minds. And he took on human condition and he reconciled us to himself. And the ministry of reconciliation, you guys, is the reconciliation, not just of God to man, but it's the reconciliation of all things. It's the reconciliation of ourselves to ourselves. It's our reconciliation of ourselves to our fellow men. It's us loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. It's loving our enemies. It's loving those that disagree with us. It's loving those that we don't understand why they think the way that they think. It's loving unconditionally to the point that we will sacrificially love them, meaning we will die for them. We will lay down our lives for them. Okay, we will lay down our lives for our opponents. We will lay down our lives for those that, that we do not agree with. We will lay down our lives for so-called, you know, sinners that we have judged as such, you know? So just, just, there's so much I could unpack about human judgment and so much I could pack about our emotions. And yes, there's going to be a part three and we're going to continue talking about this. But, uh, you know, I think the takeaway is guys that there is, there is more than meets the eye, uh, to our internal world and giving ourselves compassion, um, understanding that feeling your emotions is not wrong, uh, getting stuck, you know, is not necessarily healthy, but stuffing that stuff, repressing that stuff. I mean, that's a recipe for sickness. It's a recipe for mental health issues. And Jesus has entered into our inner world. He lives in our inner world. He knows our thoughts before we think them. He knows why we think them. He knows the inner desires and the motives of our hearts. He knows everything about us. And he still calls us one with him. He calls us one with him. And so if Jesus loves us unconditionally and he accepts all of us, then we can do the same for others. So that's really it for today, you guys. Um, there's lots of questions, lots of things that we could discuss about this. Um, so as always, you know, put your comments, put your questions in there. For those of you that are listening to Emerge, definitely bring those on your Monday coaching calls. We can talk about any of those questions that you have. For those of you that aren't in Emerge, if you'd love to hear more about it, man, we dive deep into inner healing in our school. Why? Because wholeness is the foundation of us fulfilling our purpose and our being able to experience our union and our oneness with God. Uh, we need to heal. We need to heal our perceptions. We need to heal, uh, you know, the things that we have projected onto God that are not God. We need to heal and detox from religion so that we can love, that we can love ourselves, we can love our neighbors, and we can experience the love of God uh, that causes all of those things. So God bless you guys, love you guys, and we will see you on the next episode. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Shalise's podcast. This recording is, in part, made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, visit Shalice.com, where you can donate and help us spread the good news of our unshakable union with Christ around the globe. You can also find a link there to download Shalice's book, The Path, for free. And if you're ready to discover the call of God on your life and the purpose He created you for, then visit us at Shalice.com and watch Shalice's free training where you'll hear five keys to hearing God about your life purpose and transitioning into it. 
Thanks again for listening. Until next time, don't forget, the world needs the Christ in you.